Good morning, everybody. Happy Mother's Day to all the moms. And if you're not a mom, I hope that you are going to love on your mom if she is around, or at least be grateful and thankful for the mother that you had and all that she put into your life. Um, there's always something to be grateful for in, in our mothers. I have a wonderful mother. I have a lot to be grateful for. But even ones who have not had wonderful moms, there's always something to be thankful for and to uh, give honor where honor is due. So we want to be sure to do that. During the month of May, um, as Paul has shared the last couple weeks, we have a theme that we're going through in the month of, of May, which is following Jesus and helping others to follow Jesus. That is our basic call as believers. And um, even though it's Mother's Day today, what has really been on my heart is to fit what I want to share into that overall theme. Because as parents, and mothers specifically, essentially, our highest calling is to follow Jesus and to help others follow Jesus. Even in the area of mothering and parenting, we're helping our children to become followers of Jesus. And we do that as we ourselves follow him. So I want to fit it into our overall theme for the month. Proverbs 22.6 says, Train up a child in the way he should go, and when he is old, he will not depart from it. That's what we're doing as parents. We're training. We're developing our kids. To train means to teach a particular skill or type of behavior through practice and instruction over a period of time. To train also means to point or aim something, like you would point or aim an arrow, or you would point or aim a gun if you wanted to hit a target. That's what it means to train. And that's what we're doing as parents, is we are aiming our children. John David, will you come here a second? I want to aim you. I want to show what, what this means. This is my son, John David. So if John David needs to go down this path right here, it's a straight path that he needs to go down, I'm here to help him while he's still under my roof. And while I still have that kind of influence in his life, even though you, you really maintain influence, ideally, in your kids' lives all the way through, but especially while they're under your roof, you have influence, and your, your responsibility, actually, is to train them. So he's walking. He needs to make his own steps. He needs to choose his own path. But if he goes off a little bit, if he starts going this way rather than, this is what parenting is, to train, to aim him, to aim him down the path that he needs to go down. So that's just a, a, a picture of what we're doing every day in the big things and the small things. We're training or aiming or pointing our kids towards something particular. We've been entrusted to steward our kids for the years that they live with us under our roof. We want to steward them, and one day we're going to release them. Um, to steward means to manage, to look after, to supervise the arrangements, and to keep order. That's what we're doing as stewards. We're managing, we're looking after, we're supervising the arrangements for our kids, and we're keeping order. We need to tend to them and prepare them until they're ready to look after themselves and maintain the order for themselves. So in our stewarding of our children, the most valuable thing that we can do, the most valuable thing we can give them, the most valuable thing we can train them in more than any other thing in life is to train them and lead them in their relationship with God. There's nothing more valuable that we can give to our children. It is our responsibility to disciple our children, first and foremost. It's not the church's responsibility. It's not the school's responsibility. It is our responsibility to disciple our children and to help them to follow Jesus, to help them to choose that path for themselves. 
Um, I've been reading the book of Matthew this month as we've been focusing on following Jesus and helping others to follow Jesus. I wanted to just read through and see how Jesus made his disciples, how Jesus called people to follow him. And so I've been, as I've been reading the book of Matthew, have you ever read um, something and as you are looking for something specific, you see new things? So I've been saying, Lord, show me how you discipled people. And I noticed right away, even in the first chapter of Matthew, um, it opens by going through the generations before Jesus was born. It lists all the names of the people who were the heritage of Jesus. And I just uh, felt the Lord showing me how much family and generations mean to him. And the purpose of giving that lineage is to show that there was a a determined uh, passing on of the faith from generation to generation that led all the way to Jesus, that led to a Savior coming, that led to a deliverance, that led to something awesome. And as we are faithful with our generation, as we're faithful to pass on to our children what we have, and they pass it on to what you know, to their children, it goes on and on, and amazing things happen through generations that we may never see. We, are, we need to be faithful to pass on our part, to pass on not just a belief system, not just a tradition, but a trust in God a faith in Jesus, you want to see it come alive in their hearts. The point is not just to pass on a a bunch of rules or a bunch of traditions, but to see faith born in the lives of our kids, where it comes from, I pass it, but they get it, they grab it, and it becomes their own. Um, Teach your kids to relate to God from the time that they're tiny. Teach them to have a relationship with him, to pray and to listen, and God will speak to them. They will each have their own unique relationship with God. It might not look like your relationship with God exactly. Already in our home, different ones in our home, we all know, you know, okay, John David, he hears things from God this way, and Peter hears this way, and I hear this way, and, you know, we all have our own lens that God causes us to see life through, and our own unique relationship with him, which is a beautiful thing, and to see that develop in your kids and be something even different than what you have is, is exciting and wonderful. So it's not that we want to carbon copy our kids. We want to pass on the faith. We want the fire to catch on from our hearts to their hearts and come alive in their hearts, and it's going to look different in their hearts. It's going to look unique, which is a wonderful thing. And then in Matthew 2, as I've been reading, I noticed that in Matthew 2, there, uh, that's when Jesus was born, and then there was a threat from Herod, who was the ruler at that time, he had heard the prophecies that there was going to be a king born, and he, so he was threatened, and he demanded that the children be killed, that the babies all, of, all over the land be killed. Now, when that was going to happen, an angel warned Joseph, who was Jesus' father, an angel warned Joseph to take Jesus and to flee to Egypt. And uh, it says in, in Matthew 2.13, Herod will seek the young child to destroy them. So each person that's been born, each one of our children, has a calling to reveal Christ. Jesus had come to to manifest as the Savior, and each one of us, each one of our children, has a calling to show Jesus to the world, to manifest God, to manifest Jesus as the Savior. And there is an enemy that is out to destroy them. There's an enemy that wants to take their life before it even starts, to get them off that track to where they're not going to be able to reveal God in the earth. And so we need to be, as parents, we need to be like Joseph and Mary, who heard God and who were able to protect what God wanted to bring through the life of Jesus, to protect Jesus from being destroyed. We want to protect our children from anything that would want to destroy them or keep them from hitting the mark with their lives, keep them from reaching their destiny. So that's one way that we can, that we can lead our children to follow God and protect what God has put in them.
I believe that mothers have a unique calling in this of watching over and protecting and stewarding our kids. Um, Proverbs 31.27, I just want to look at that verse a little bit. Um, Proverbs 31 is a passage in scripture uh, where a mother is encouraging her son of the type of woman that he should look for uh, to be a bride and to be the mother of his children. And it lists a lot of attributes that I think sometimes women feel a little bit like, oh, I can't live up to that. But, but there's, that's not the way we're supposed to look at Proverbs 31. Proverbs 31 is something that we can approach with faith in our hearts and that we can just learn from and that we can develop in and grow in. So it's not something for you to feel like a standard that you can't measure up to, but it's something that we can desire and pursue. And I just want to look at verse 27. It says, she watches over the affairs of her household and does not eat the bread of idleness. That's interesting because, you know, we know that Scripture teaches that... Um, that men are to lead their homes, but women obviously have a calling to lead with their husbands, and the women have a unique ability, a unique calling in God actually to watch over the household. And as you study that and as you unpack that, it's such an amazing thing. And I think it's something that, as women, we need to move into and own that space and not be afraid to take that role in our homes. Women have an ability to notice things. Women have an intuition, even naturally. Most women do. Women just notice detail. They notice what's going on with people. They notice somebody was a little, they weren't quite themselves today. Or I wonder what's going on because that kind of stood out. You know, women have this intuition. And I believe that as mothers, we are to use that to watch over our households. And what do I mean by that? If you look over, if you look in the Hebrew, this is from the Old Testament, so it was written in Hebrew, and if you study out the original language there, that Hebrew word for watch, to look over your household, means to look out or about. It means to spy, to keep watch, to observe, and to watch closely. It says to watch over the affairs. That word affairs in the Hebrew means the going, the doing, the ways of the household. So the coming and the going of the household. We as women are to watch over that, to see, to be aware of what is going on. What's coming into our house? What's going out of our house? When, when people are coming into our house? When people are going out of our house? To, there's even an element of spying. Now, we don't want to be hover helicopter parents, right? We want to allow our children the freedom that they need. We don't want to be overbearing. We don't want to be domineering. We don't want to be controlling. But we need to be aware. And God's given us an ability to, uh, to have that watchful heart and spirit for a reason. So it says that oh, this woman watches over her household. What is the household? The household is, is the husband. It's the children. It's any extended family or visitors that are staying in the home to watch over and care for them, to, to meet their needs. Even guests that come for dinner or that come for, to play with the kids, that's part of your household in that moment that's under your roof. And so you take that watchful eye as a parent. It's not like you just let the kids go off in some bedroom and do their thing. You are aware of what is going on in your household at all times as a mother. You take that watchful role. It says she watches and does not eat the bread of idleness. And I studied that a little bit in the Hebrew. That bread of idleness means to engage in worthless, lazy activities. It's sluggishness. I can't watch if I'm sluggish. I can't watch if I'm switched off just flicking through the TV 
hour after hour after hour. I can't be watchful and alert for my household. Mothers, I encourage you, as you watch intentionally, you will notice. You'll notice if one child is unhappy or not flourishing in a particular area. You'll begin to notice negative patterns of behavior or certain attitudes developing in your children. You'll notice how siblings are relating to one another, whether an intervention might be helpful on your part. Um, is there a family chat needed? You're going to notice those things, and they're going to start to kind of weigh on your heart, weigh on your mind a little bit. But if we're idle, then we turn a blind eye because we can't handle it. Or we, or we respond in irritation to those things because we know they're not right, but we just respond in irritation and we lash out. Um, if I'm running on empty as a mother in my own heart, as an individual, if I'm distracted by my own needs, by my own problems, if I'm too busy trying to figure out my own stuff, then I'm not going to be able to see and to watch my household in the way that I need to. I'm going to be easily cranky. I'm going to be short with my household. I'm going to be frustrated. So I would encourage you moms, take care of yourself. You're a better mom when you have a full cup because your family comes to you to drink. You can help fill their needs and give them what they need when you are a full cup. Get the rest that you need. Take care of your health. Get the relationships that you need. Make sure that you're filling your cup so that you have to give. And it starts, first and foremost, it starts with us following Jesus as mothers. I need to follow Jesus so that I can help my family to follow Jesus. I find that when I'm diligent to fill my cup first thing in the morning, I, I need that. I need that cup of coffee, and I need that cup with Jesus. I mean, seriously, the very first thing I do in the morning is get a cup of coffee. Nothing else comes first. My husband brings me a cup of coffee because I struggle to even get out of bed without that first sip. And I go and I sit. There's a chair by a window that I sit in, and I have time with the Lord. And I have found that if I'm diligent to do that, I have what I need for that day to watch over my household and to give them what they need. And when I don't do that, when, it, when, I, when something happens where I can't do that, or, you know, there's moments sometimes where I can feel that. I can feel that I haven't had that moment to sift through my day and sift through what's on my heart with the Lord. I haven't received his word for that day. And so I'm not ready. I'm not as ready. I might be pulling on fumes a little bit from past days to give what's needed. And it just works so much better when I have a full cup. I'm able to really occupy that space as a mother in my home when I have a full cup. Um, and God will help you. You, with the help of God, are Wonder Woman in your home. You are. You have the power to be a watchwoman in your home. You have the power to bring solutions and to do something about the needs that are in your home. There's no need that's going to be too great for you. When you have God filling your cup, you're going to be Wonder Woman in your home. And, you know, for those of you who aren't moms, this is the same, I think, for wives. This is the same for single people. You know, there's nothing that you're going to face in your capacity as an individual when God is filling your cup. You're going to have everything that you need, Wonder Woman or Superman, whoever you need to be. Recently in our home, there was one particular day where as we were going to bed, one child just felt, un one of my children felt unhappy about a certain situation and uh, we'd had a really busy night, and just everyone was kind of all over the show, and there was homework, and, you know, Paul was tying up loose ends with work stuff, and, uh, you know, there was just a lot going on, and, and we really hadn't had a lot of time, other than just a few moments over dinner, we hadn't had a lot of time to connect as a family, 
and um, there were just a few loose ends that were a little bit undone, and I went to bed with a heavy heart, just concerned about, you know, nothing like catastrophic, but just concerned, you know, aware of my child who went to bed unhappy about something, just heavy-hearted, and so I did two things. In that moment, I prayed. I just said, God, I need to release these things to you, but will you, will you intervene? Will you help this, these situations? And then the second thing, I decided I'm going to get up a little bit extra early, and I'm going to, even though it's just a weekday morning, nothing special, I'm going to make this huge breakfast. And I did. I got up extra early, and after my time with the Lord, I just made this huge breakfast, bacon and eggs and cereal and toast. And, and I woke up the kids, and they're like, Mom, what are you doing? This is, you know, like, this is just a weekday. And I said, I just felt like we needed an extra few minutes as a family this morning just to connect. And we sat down, and we laughed, and we ate, and they both thanked me, both the kids thanked me, and, and it just gave that, it started the day with that extra oomph of love and support, and the child who'd been struggling, it just gave him that little bit of extra, you know, encouragement in his day. And as moms, as we watch over our household, we can do something about the needs. We have the power to do something, small or big, just to give the adjustment that is needed for different members in our household. So watch over your household and notice the small things. Sometimes one of your children might just need a snack. That's the only problem. They just need food. Sometimes your husband just needs a snack. That's it. That's all there is. Maybe someone needs just a little bit of extra attention. They just need you to sit down and look at them eye to eye and just take a moment with them. Maybe they need to be uh, treated to something and invested in in just a special way. Does someone in your home need a haircut? Something as simple as that to feel better about themselves. Does your child need new jeans because they're, they're outgrowing their jeans? Is your husband overloaded or having a heavy day? How, what can you do about that? How can you help that situation? So notice the small things because you can do something about those small things. What about the physical environment of your home? The scripture says she watches over her household. Does your home need to be decluttered a little bit? Is, is there stuff that's piling on the table that just needs to be cleared out of the way? It's amazing when you have stuff out of your way, how much clearer you feel, how much fresher you feel. You can do something about that. What can you do to make your home more comfortable for your family, to have a better flow, to work better, uh, to feel more like your space together as a family? Do you need to rearrange some furniture or pick some fresh greenery from outside to freshen things up? Is there food in the fridge? Are you watching over that? Are you making sure that there's food for your family? And if that's not your duty as the woman, that's fine. But whatever your duties are, whatever you've agreed to, to be your responsibilities in the household, watch over those things. And, and they make a difference. You know, and sometimes something little like that. I know in my house, going to the grocery store makes everybody happy. When I come back and there is food, Everybody is happy, and if there's not food, they're not happy. So that's something that I can control. I have power in that area in my household. Things like screen time. Is screen time dominating your home? Even for the adults, sometimes I'll say, you know what, I feel like we just all need to do X, Y, Z, or A, B, C. We all need to just stop doing what we're doing, and we all need to do something to change the atmosphere in our home. We have the power as women to watch over that and to do something about it. Um, there's another verse in Proverbs that speaks of watching over. It's Proverbs 4.23, and I love how it's said in the NASB. What is that? New American Standard. New American Standard. 
says, watch over your heart with all diligence, for from it flow the springs of life. But I was thinking about in the con that in the context of how we parent our kids, that we can watch over their hearts because everything for their life flows from their hearts. So we need to watch over their hearts. We need to become students of our children. I need to observe John David. I need to observe Peter and find out how they tick. Find out what really means something to them. Find out what hurts them. Understand those things and watch over their heart. Again, without too much hovering, but look into their eyes. Connect with their hearts. Uh, look into their hearts. Um, you know, you, you want to watch over your kids' hearts. You want to talk together. You want to pray together. And I think it's so important as parents, something that Paul and I always encourage parents with is keep your children's hearts. Hold on to their hearts. You know, if you can just keep that heart, if you can keep that heart connection with your kids, between you and your kids, you can walk through anything together. And they may have a bad attitude right there. May, they may be struggling with something in life right now. But if you can just keep their heart if you can keep that connection with their heart, you will help them through that situation. Um, there's something that we practice in, in our family pretty much every night at dinner time. Occasionally we skip it, but most nights at dinner time we do thorns, roses, and buds. And what that means is that everyone needs to share their thorn from the day, which was their worst moment of the day. Everyone shares their rose from the day, what was their best moment of the day, their most pleasant moment of the day. And everyone shares their bud, which is what they're most looking forward to in the near future. And, you know, it's not something that our kids mind. Right, if we forget it, one of our kids is usually like, hey, thorns, roses, and buds, because they enjoy that moment of connecting. They, they know that is always a moment where they're going to be able to offload any, any junk or anything exciting. And they're going to hear from us as well. And it's amazing how that little thing just helps us in our relationships to stay connected in our hearts. Something else that we do is every Monday night we have what we call family talk time on our calendar. It's FTT. Every Monday night, occasionally we do skip it if, it if we can't do it, but most Monday nights we sit down and we just talk together and we just have a little bit of a family meeting. If there's anything that needs to you know, be strengthened or addressed or you know, if there's anything that we need to decide, are we going to do baseball or soccer? Are we going to, you know, anything like that that needs to be decided, we'll talk about it in that moment. Any concerns that anybody has, we'll talk about. We always also pray for the church. We just pray for anybody that's on our hearts as you know, within the church. We'll ask each individual member of the family who's on your heart this week in the church, who should we pray for so that they can own our ministry together. That's something that I think is important in the home. Whatever you're called to, bring your children into that so that they can own it with you and they don't see it as something you do that they resent, but that they, they occupy that space with you. So, that, you know, your moment to connect might look completely different than ours, but having moments like that are so important in keeping our children's hearts and really being aware of what's going on in their hearts and sharing our hearts with them. They appreciate that so much. You know, that morning I mentioned a few weeks ago where we had that breakfast early morning on a weekday, Paul just took an opportunity and he said, you know, kids, I was so busy last night. I really didn't even have a chance to talk to you. And this is why. This is what was going on. And when he shared with them, they were just like, oh, I could just see, you know, it meant something to them to understand why their dad had not been available to them and to even appreciate what he had to do that night. So those moments are important. And then also I think bedtime is a very important time, especially when you have smaller kids. Um, for in our home, for whatever reason, that's, that's when everybody wants to talk. That's when everybody just wants to share everything that's going on in their hearts. And 
so I had to kind of watch the time, but uh, I do treasure those moments, and I don't rush out of them because I think, you know, for whatever reason, this is when this child is opening up their heart. I better be there to listen. And so I take that extra time to sit and to talk and to pray if necessary. So be sensitive. I've heard other parents say for them it's when they're in the car. One of their kids just opens up whenever they're driving. So they really are intentional to take those moments of opportunity. And if they feel like they need extra time with, a, with that child, they go for a drive. Because they know if they get in the car, the kid's going to start talking. So those moments when your child opens up, take those moments intentionally so that you can watch over those children and watch over your household. So I want to switch gears a little bit right now in what we're sharing this morning. And I want to talk a little bit about how we as families nuclear families can follow Jesus as a family, and as a family, how we can help others to follow Jesus. So we do that in our own individual capacity. I'm called to help others follow Jesus, but the Nichols family is called to help people follow Jesus. The Opal family, Tamora and her girls as a family are called to that. Mickey, as an individual unit, his own household is called to that. And and no matter whether you're single, uh, married, have kids or whether your kids are grown, your household is called to be a light. Um, before we moved here, when we were in South Africa, we had uh, lots, of, lots and lots of prayer meetings uh, before this church was ever birthed. And one particular um, thing that people felt like they saw when they prayed in their, in their heart as they would pray, they felt like they saw a picture, which is, you could call it a vision or you could call it, um, you know, just something that they felt like they were sensing from God's heart when they prayed. Over and over again, people would say that they saw homes with the lights coming on, the light switch coming on, and that God wanted to use families in our church to be a light into the community. So whatever your home is, whatever your home situation is, if you're alone or if you're with people, God wants to use your home to be a light in this community. We're called to that. Matthew 5, verse 14 says, You are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand, and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. So as a family, we want to live on mission. We want to live as Jesus did. We want to live for heaven together as a family. We want to intentionally be a light. As parents, we want to lead our family to do good deeds. It talks about it. It says um, that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. We want to, as a family, serve the poor. We want to, as a family, be a vibrant, vibrant part of the church community, etc., etc., etc. There's many ways that we can intentionally do good deeds so that people see our light. So be a light, intentionally, but know this as well. You are a light already, just by having received Jesus and by having him be a part of your family. You are a light. You are, Jesus says, a city on a hill that cannot be hidden. Even if you try, people are watching you because you are a believer, because you do bear the name of Jesus. People are already watching you, whether you are intentionally trying to be a light or not. So as Christians, it matters how we live as a family, because people are watching us already. Detroit needs this, right? Detroit needs to see what living as a family following Jesus looks like. Detroit needs to see that it's possible. It's hot in here, don't you think? I don't know if we can do something about it. but So one of the greatest ways that we can be a witness of Christ, I believe, is how we live our lives as families. 
There is such a need, especially in the city, to see something different, to see something better, to see that families can live in love, that families can be committed to one another, that families can be successful. And that's one of the greatest ways that we can be a light. So I want to talk a little bit about how we can show what the kingdom of God looks like as we lead ourselves well and as we lead our families well. So as a nuclear family, we can be an example in these ways. We can show what the Father God looks like as parents. The way we parent our kids, we can show the world. This is what the Father's love looks like. This is what unconditional love looks like. This is what sacrificial love looks like. We can show the world what the Father looks like. Um, we can show the world what children of God are like as our children follow, as our children are obedient, as our children are an example. We show what it means to be children of God. We show the world what the bride of Christ looks like in our relationship with Jesus as we model marriage. We show, the, the scripture teaches us that marriage is an example of Christ in the church. So as we uphold that and as we live that, the world can see what that relationship is like, what our relationship with Jesus should be like. We show the world what brothers and sisters are like, what we can have as brothers and sisters together. As our, as our children can model healthy relationship, the world sees what we can have together in unity. And even as single people, we can show the world how to follow Christ and how to relate to the family of God. As single people, you can show, how, you can show the world that everyone can have a family in the family of God as you relate to the family of God. So in the nuclear family, we learn. We learn how to do these things by the grace of God, by the help of God. We learn how to have these healthy relationships because we have God helping us, right? We have his help. We have the Holy Spirit. So we learn from the Holy Spirit. And as we learn how to operate in these relationships in a healthy way in our nuclear families, then we show the world how to relate to people in life. So siblings, for instance, in a sibling relationship, that's where we learn boundaries. That's where we learn respect for one another. That's where we learn conflict resolution. That's the first place that we learn it. And that's why it's important as parents that we help our children to learn these things because then they can go off and show the world what that looks like. Siblings, I love this about siblings. That's, if you think about it, your relationship with your siblings is probably the longest relationship you will have on this earth. They're with you the whole way through, even longer than your parents, longer than your spouse. That is a very special relationship. And so as parents, we really need to help our children invest well in that relationship, learn from that relationship, even as after they are adults, it can still be an ongoing learning opportunity in life, that relationship with siblings. So again, in that area of siblings, we learn so that we can model what the kingdom of God looks like to the world around us. People are watching us. In the nuclear family, we learn about respect, and then we have the opportunity to model respect. The world does not know respect. The world does not know honor. So we learn in the nuclear family how to relate to authority. We learn honor of all people, but we also learn honor uh, for those that are, who are responsible for us. As you teach your children to honor those who are responsible for you, they are going to be better set up in life to honor those who are responsible for them in different areas of life and as an adult, on the workplace or you know, different situations that they're in. Part of learning to relate to authority is using an appropriate tone, learning how physically you show respect in your body language and in the way you look and in the way you respond to things. 
uh, we have the opportunity to learn respect as, as everyone is responsible in the home to follow through on their commitments, to follow through on their responsibilities, chores, and things that they've committed to do. We learn in the home appropriate behavior in public, with strangers, with, with the community. These things are important. Teaching our children how to greet people, teaching our children the appropriate way to, to interact with the community around us, looking people in the eye. That's something that we worked with our kids with a lot when they were little. Look them in the eye when you talk to them. Show respect, appropriate volume when you're, sh when you're around people. How we present ourselves, how we dress, how we care for our bodies. These are important things that we learn in the nuclear family so that we can grow up and model the kingdom of God to the world. Don't underestimate how powerful these things can be in reaching the world and ultimately in making disciples. I want to show you how. People will say things like, your kids are so respectful and honorable. I've noticed how you have patience and love with your kids. You have a successful marriage. How do you do that? And you can say, follow me as I follow Christ. You can say, this is in my life and in my family because I follow Christ. Follow me. Not because I'm something great, but follow me as I follow Christ. There was a lady in the church back in South Africa where we led, and she was a neighbor of one of the elders' wives in the church. And uh, the elders' wife in the church is one of my best friends named Ange. And this neighbor across the wall, her name was Taryn. And in South Africa, all the homes have walls and gates. So they had never really talked much, but over the years that they'd lived there, Taryn and Ange would occasionally just kind of yell across the wall to one another when they were outside in their gardens. And then more and more, they started talking more and more and meeting at the wall and chatting. And Taryn started saying things like, you know, I noticed that you have a lot of activity in your home. People are always coming and going. There's all these cars. Because, you know, I mean, they were very busy in the church. We had meetings there. They would host things often. They were constantly having people in their home for dinner. And so Ange was able to say, yeah, we're, you know, we're, we're elders in the church, and we help to pastor the church, and there's a lot of activity, plus we just love people, and we're always reaching out to people, and, you know, we want to have you guys over for dinner. And so they started having that family over for dinner, and the husbands started playing golf together, and the kids got along. And, and finally, after building into some, that relationship a little bit, Ange and Stu invited that family to come to one of our family days. We would have these family days once a quarter where we would do games and eat on the field together. We met at a school, and so we would do activities on the field together. And um, the husband was not able to come that day, but Taryn came, the neighbor, and her children came. And a couple days later, she went over to Ange's house for tea and was sharing with Ange. She said, you know, thank you so much for inviting me to the family day. She said, you know, I have never seen so many families in one place together who were so healthy. Like, the, the fam you could tell that the, the husbands and wives actually loved each other. You could tell the children were well-behaved, and they had learned respect. They had learned how to behave. And she said it was just beautiful. And she said, I just sat there watching all these people. And, and she said, I, you know, how is this? I, I, she, and so she started saying, I feel like that's something we need in our family. And she said, you know what? I feel like I need to start bringing my kids to church because whatever you guys have, I want my kids to have that. So she started coming to church just to bring her kids to church. And she would sit on the back row, and her kids would go off to the class. And then little by little, she got more and more interested. And eventually, she was sitting like right where Deb is. She would sit right on the front row. And she was just so hungry to learn. And she still was not sure about Jesus. She still wasn't quite sure whether, you know, she, when we met her, she was kind of one of those, 
Um, she was a homeschooling mom, but she was kind of one of those all spiritual paths people, you know, like, you know, all of it's good. Yeah, let's take all of it, you know. And so she wasn't 100% sure about Jesus really being the way, but she was very open and she was very hungry because of the testimony of the families in the church. So that is why these things matter so much. So by the time we left South Africa, her husband had started coming to some of these family days and events that we have in the church. And Taryn is now a, a believer. She's received the Lord. And her husband is more and more getting involved. The last I heard, um, he would come, was it either for worship or not worship? He was, it was like he was doing half the service. It was either he would skip the worship and come for the preaching part. So he's inching his way in. But that's because of families being a light in things like marriage and the, the way the children... Now, nobody's got perfect kids, right? We're not talking about that. But even in those moments, how we handle that, how we handle when our children disobey, how we handle it when they mess up, the grace that we extend, the love that we extend, the, the, um, the discipline that we bring in love, the order that is modeled, it shows people, oh my gosh, this is like, I don't see this anywhere else. What do these people have? What do they know? It shows people the kingdom of God. So these things matter a lot. Last summer, Paul did a series here um, on parenting, and he unpacked Luke 2, 52, where it says that Jesus, as a child, grew in wisdom, stature, and favor with God and man. And Paul really talked about those three areas of raising children. Wisdom, stature, which has to do with like your physical health and strength, and favor with God and man. So these areas are not necessarily moral issues that we think of when we think of Christian kids, like, you know, make sure they don't get drunk and make sure they don't do drugs and make sure they don't, you know, all those things are important, please. But these are areas of social development. Um, so we're not only wanting to lead our kids to not, to not sin and to love Jesus, but we're also wanting to lead, the, uh, uh, lead them and develop them to grow in wisdom, to grow strong and healthy physically, but also to grow in favor with God, as it says, grow in their relationship with God, but also in favor with man, favor with people, to learn what will give you favor with people and what will turn people off. Those are important things for our, our children to know, how to have good relationships with other people. This is because, yes, God wants your children to, to flourish and to have good relationships, but also because we need to remove any barriers that would keep others from receiving the kingdom of God from us. Um, if we do these things with our kids, they will be trained and they will be ready to be successful. But it's not just for them. It's also for now. Right now, we want people to be able to receive the kingdom of God from our family. We want to be an example right now as well. Um, an example, I gave you good examples. A bad example would be like if your kid is behaving in a manner that's irritating or not respecting the community around you and you're not doing anything about it, if you're not stepping in, People are not going to receive the kingdom of God from you. They're not going to receive what you have to say. There was a time in our development, me and Paul, as leaders in church, um, when those who were leading us brought input to us on how we were training and raising our children. And um, there's a reason, and, and, and they sat down with us and just gave us some pointers. And, and our kids were really small, and they, really, they helped us through some things that we needed help with. And there's a reason that there's qualifications in Scripture for deacons and elders that include family relationships. If you look at 1 Timothy 3, um, it actually gives some qualifications for deacons and elders in Scripture. And there's a reason that it touches on family relationships. It touches on marriage. And it mentions that one, I'm quoting from 1 Timothy 3, one must manage his own family well 
and see that his children obey him, and he must do so in a manner worthy of full respect. And then it says in verse 5, If anyone does not know how to manage his own family, how can he take care of God's church? So we qualify ourselves for ministry, not just to be pastors, but we're all called to ministry, right? We're all called to show the kingdom of God, and we qualify ourselves for that. What I mean by qualify is that we make way for more of that to come as we give attention to these areas in our lives. Because it's as we allow the kingdom of God to manifest in our marriage and in our children that more can be given to us in the way of ministry, and more ministry can flow from us to the world around us. Um, Paul was mentioning a few minutes ago uh, that he shared last week about being poor in spirit. I want to encourage us to be poor in spirit about our children, towards God and towards others. Uh, when Paul, Paul was a teacher for a few years, and he taught second and third grade, and then he taught junior high. And I can remember he would come home so frustrated sometimes and would say, some parents are just not willing to see that their kid has a problem. Some parents are just not willing to hear that their children could do anything wrong. And he vowed, that was before we had kids, and he vowed, he said, I will never be that parent that is unwilling to see that my child needs help with something. He said, I want to receive that. You know, if there's a teacher or someone who has a relationship to observe something in my child's life, I want to receive what they have to say so that I can help my child in that area. Maybe it's an area I'm blind to. Um, so we need to be poor in spirit towards God. We need to say all the time, Lord, help me to raise these children. I need your help. And we need to be poor in spirit to receive from others any input that we may need about our children. And we need to teach our children to be poor in spirit. They need to be confident, but they need to be humble. They need to be receptive to receive from others, um, not stubborn and not prideful. And if they are stubborn and prideful, it's our responsibility to do something about that. It's our responsibility to help them understand their need for help, because we all have need for help. In the church, in the church, in the family of God, we have the blessing of living in community. We have the blessing of sharing life with one another in a very real way. We're called to that. We're called to so much more than just this moment right here or just once a week, you know, getting together for a Bible study. We're called to share life with one another, to journey together. And, you know, I love um, in Luke 2 where it talks about um, when Jesus was a, a young boy and um, that his parents lost him, right? They were traveling to Jerusalem. So I just want to read from Luke chapter 2 here. It says uh, in verse 41, Every year Jesus' parents went to Jerusalem for the Passover festival. And when Jesus was 12 years old, they attended the festival as usual. After the celebration was over, they started home to Nazareth, but Jesus stayed behind in Jerusalem. His parents didn't even miss him at first because they assumed he was among the other travelers for a whole day. It says when he didn't show up that evening, they started looking for him among their relatives and friends. So that would be like if we went on some long journey together, and I can't find John David, but I'm not worried because I know he's probably with the Opals, or he's probably hanging out with Mickey. I'm not worried because there was such a communal care for one another. And really, that's something that we want in, a, in this community. That's something we want at Border City Church. You as the parent are responsible. Nobody's going to take that from you. But... There is a care and a love that we can share 
that's the village, you know, that we say that it takes a village to raise a child. It really does. I want my boys to have the influence of other godly men and women in their lives. I don't want, I can't give them everything that they need. Paul can't give them everything that they need. God's designed us as Christians to live in community. And so I want to encourage us as a church to be that in community, to learn from one another. You know, I think it's beautiful when I can watch another family and admire something that they have got, that they do well. And I can say, I can learn from that in that family. I can receive that from that family. I think it's beautiful when I can watch somebody parent and learn a new skill. Think, oh, that is a great idea. I'm going to do that. You know, that's going to help me in my parenting. Um, And also teach your children the value of community by prioritizing it. And I don't just mean community group, but I mean living in community, having people in your home, sharing life with one another. As we model that, we're going to teach our children to, to prioritize the community that God has provided for them no matter where they live, no matter what they grow up to be, they need church community all the days of their lives. And as we, um, as we model that as a family, that is a great blessing, not only for raising children, but in, uh, helping our children to understand uh, the community that God's provided for them for their whole lives. Um, so I've got plants that I want to give to the moms today. I've got herb plants, um, and they're on the back table, and... Anyone who's a mom can take one. There's different ones that you can choose from. Um, but I just want to ask that as, as you take these plants and as they grow, whether you plant them or have them on your windowsill or whatever, I want us to be mindful as we look at these plants um, that as mothers, we ourselves want to grow in following Jesus. We want to do that. That's the most important thing in our lives is following Jesus. And as we do that, we want to be growing in our ability and in our skill to help our children follow Jesus and to help the world around us to follow Jesus. And one of the best ways we can do that to make disciples is to lead our families well. Um, and so as we, as we look at this topic the rest of the month of May, I want us to be mindful of that. As Paul has said in June, July, and August, we want to shift gears a little bit during the warm months and have some topics coming up on Sundays that would be more uh, for people who maybe aren't coming to church and who maybe, you know, want to learn about different things. And so this month is for all of us to kind of make that space in our hearts and to start thinking that way. Um, and one of the ways that we do that, I think, is to, to be mindful of our families and know that as people come in, at, whether it's people we're interacting with in our daily lives or whether people are coming into church here, um, our families are powerful and the, the, um, the calling of people to follow Jesus. So I think I'm going to park it there. Um, but can we just pray? Um, Father, we just thank you so much for your word that helps us, helps us to do everything that you've asked us to do, including parenting. And Lord, we receive your word today. And Lord, I just want to pray uh, your grace over every household that is represented here. Lord, and especially the households that have children, especially the households where a mother um, is in place. Lord, I just want to pray your grace and your blessing over every mother uh, to parent well, to lead well, to be able to watch over their homes well, to give what they have um, freely and to to cause their homes to flourish. And uh, Father, I just want to pray over those who are not here yet, who are going to be here. Lord, those that you are going to bring in. And Lord, I pray that we would be stewards of our families and that we would be that light on a hill. 
that you want to shine so brightly through, Lord, and that we would make necessary adjustments, that we would allow you to shine your bright light wherever you want to, um, and that we wouldn't run from that, but we would allow you to make us a brighter and brighter and brighter light for you, God. We just yield to you, and uh, thank you, Lord, also just for blessing the moms. Just, Lord, just bless them. God, I pray that every need would be met, that every desire would be met, um, Lord, that you would so specifically meet every heart where they're at and give them what they need, Lord, to not only just to parent well, but just to, to flourish as individuals. Lord, I thank you for the women that you've placed in our lives, God, and I pray that we would be healthy women, that we would be strong women, that we would show uh, your love and your grace to the world around us, God, in Jesus' name, amen. You're dismissed. Have a wonderful day.